What's up, Pure? We back at Instead of Peoria. I'm Mark Supreme. And I'm Chris Kiergaard. And of course, again, welcome to the State of Peoria, brought to you in part by State Farm agent Aaron Kilgore, located at 3805 North Sterling Avenue, where he specializes in car insurance, home insurance, life insurance, you name it, and investments now. He's the best in the business, and you can make him work for you by calling 309-685-7111. Uh, this is our sixth installment of the collaboration between Strictly Hip Hop and the PJ Star interview series, and it's all about the P. And tonight we have our fifth candidate for Peoria mayor joining us, Jim Montalongo. We are, at as, as I count down here, we are six days and about 28 minutes away from the polls closing in the, the primary election. Uh, you can still vote early all the way up through next Monday. And of course, on election day from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. So, Jim, we want to hear from you a, a little bit about uh, your campaign, why you're running. We're going to start to fire some questions at you on all that. Uh, but thank you for joining us. Uh, absolutely. Thank you for having me here. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to tonight. Yeah. So, yeah, again, thank you for being here. Uh, we'll kick it off for the people that might not have been following the mayoral race uh, closely or maybe not even the city council in general, because you've been on for quite some time. Who is Jim Montalongo? I'm taking that for me, right? Okay, so <laughs> Jim Montalongo, you know what? I came, to, I came to Peoria just a little over 31 years ago to go to Bradley University to earn an engineering degree by Bradley. I met a beautiful young lady there named Christina, who I later married. Um, together, my wife and I, we have three sons. Um, I created a business called Advanced Cat Cam Service. We are in our um, in our 30th year. And, you know, I, I volunteered over in this community um, at the Peoria Chamber of Commerce, being the chairman of the board at one time. Um, I also have the pleasure of serving the community as a three-term Peoria City Councilman. Awesome, awesome. So unlike a lot of the other candidates running for mayor, or actually any of them, uh, you're placing a big bet on this office because you're the only candidate that would have been up for re-election, but um, you're going for the mayor office instead. If this doesn't work out, unlike Rita and Sid, you really don't have an office to go back to. It's, It's kind of a big bet. Obviously, you considered all of that, but what made you come to that decision? You know what? Um, I'm coming to the end of three terms, um, one at large, and uh, being two terms as a district councilman. I feel like I've done a great job for my constituents over the last um, eight years as a district councilman. I've got a lot of things accomplished. I got a, I got a great track record that I'm very proud of um, doing things like having a monthly breakfast meeting for the last uh, 10 years. Um, we've got a lot of other stuff done, creating a business roundtable, uh, getting a substation at Northwoods Mall, uh, Portillo's, Northwoods, uh, Northwoods, I'm sorry, Northmore Road completed. Um, those are just a few that I'm, I'm very proud of and things that we got accomplished in the fourth district. So to take some people back, you ran up for council in 2001, barely lost to Bill Spears. Then you came back six years later, winning the at-large seat. Then you made an attempt at uh, Jahan Gordon for her state legislator seat in 2010 and lost, but chose not to seek re-election at your at-large seat. You still were able to do that. Now, 
again, from the first question, you would have nowhere to go. So what happens next in the event that the mayorship uh, doesn't come for you? Uh, you know what? I still am busy at my office and still have the engineering business going going strong. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll have full time um, efforts there at the office and working with my my two sons. Um, and we'll see where things go from there. Is Jim done with politics or because you bounce in, you bounce out, you, you, you come in and out as you want. Do you think that would be on the horizon for you on the back end or no? Um, hard, hard to tell what, what's going on. And, you know, I kind of kind of gauge about what's going on in the community, what keeps me engaged. So um, have to take a look at it when that time comes. OK. And before I shoot it to Chris, if you're watching, thank you guys for tuning in to State of Peoria. If you have questions for Jim Montalongo, please throw them in the comments and we'll get to them momentarily. Okay. Jim, I want to want to dive right in and ask you about something that, that a lot of people in Republican politics are talking about. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's one of the first times I, I can remember that, that I've seen Ruby Arms and Barb Patterson on different sides of something. And, and that's, uh, that's the mailer that, that got sent out uh, that, that you and your campaign sent out about uh, one of the other competitors in the race, Sid Ruck Regal. Uh, and, and raised some some contrast points in there. Mm -hmm. you know, some people call it an attack mailer, a, a negative piece, a contrast piece, whatever whatever one of those you want to call it. You raised some questions in there about uh, Councilman Ruck Regal and a, a conflict of interest that you see uh, with with him and then his partner Andrew Rand being chairman of the the county board. And I, I guess I I want to know uh, first of all. Uh, uh, since that seems to be the only contrast mailer that's been sent out in this race, why'd you send it? Yeah, you know, I think it was um, all about power, control, and transparency. Um, and I definitely felt like there is a, a conflict that the people needed to understand about um, um, the, exactly as you said, the, the chairman of the Peoria County and um, somebody interested in being the mayor. And I think people needed to understand um, those two positions and um, how close those relationships are. Okay, uh, are, there, are there a lot of issues where, where the city and the county would have separate interests in, in a subject? It, it seemed to me that the, the big issue that that they've been been working on in, in recent years that, that deals with any financial relationship is one where where the county actually kind of kind of bailed the city out and loaned them the money to uh, to redo the the Allen Road intersection. Yeah, I you know what's important is that all of these discussions need to happen in the public space, and that's you know that that's the transparency part. And that's what's, what needs to happen. Um, and we just need to make sure that that's the way our government operates going forward. That's that's that was my main point. OK, is, is that not happening now, you think, with, with somebody who is on the city council and the county board chairman? I have not had that brought to my attention, but but certainly it's 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 beyond that, too. It's also being the. Um, CEO for AMT, which they have an exclusive contract with the city of Peoria. 
um, and that does play right into our, our, our public safety and emergency services. Um, and once again, that's an exclusive contract and that's something that um, we need to make sure that everything is discussed in, in the open and, and being transparent. Well, I, I guess I guess what I'm going after there is, hey, have, have we had an instance in in the the past five years that that Councilman Ruckriegel has been on the council where you you have some reason to think that that he has not been transparent or that those things have been discussed outside of of open session in the the council? Yeah, I think you probably have to ask him that. Um, what his thoughts are, and maybe when he should have uh, perhaps even abstained from from discussion. Okay, uh, Mark, you got something to weigh in on with that? Yeah, same thing. Because um, I got I got a bunch of text messages, as I'm sure you probably did too, when it went out. It was just a bold stance to take. Was there? Did you second guess yourself at all with that, or were you concerned about the feedback that would come from that? Have you gotten any negative feedback uh, that you can care to speak to? Um, and the feedback in general. Well, well, certainly there was a couple thoughts from some people, but um, I think I hardly heard anything. So, do you think the, do you think the message landed? Because it, it seemed like almost one of those emails where you're like, "All right," <laughs> and it just gets sent out. Like, was there any hesitation or no hesitation? Absolutely not. Why? Why only Sid in in that? as a, a mailer. And I guess I'm asking because uh, Dr. Ali, uh, Councilwoman Ali also has uh, you know, a, a near relative, her daughter, who serves on the county board. Is that something that, that people should be concerned about with a conflict of interest if, if she's elected mayor? Or, or is this just because of, of mayor and county board chairman? Yeah, I think what's important is for um, candidates to come forward and um, bring everything out on the table in the first place, right? When they start to run. And that's, that's the easiest way to uh, take care of everything, take care of something, just lay it all out there. Let people know where you're at and, and be truthful and be transparent. Um, it's not something that I knew about um, that relationship either, but I think we're talking more about the power position of the county board chairman and the mayor of Peoria. That is a lot of power. Um, that is a lot of power across the city and do county. You, what, do you what, think what, that message landed? Do you think that message landed with uh, and resonated with voters? Um, I think so. I think it got the message across. Was it? Was it? Equally troubling, differently troubling when when the previous county board chairman was a city employee, you know, who, who's who's direct direct supervisor reported to the city manager. You know, when when Tommy O'Neill was was chairman, you know, he worked for a guy, worked for a guy who could could put some pressure on him. Was was that a concern? Um, you know, I learned about that more towards the end. I mean, so. Um, I, I would have to say, you know, once again, you, you find out these things, you learn about them way after the fact sometimes, and that's not the best way to go about doing your business. If you feel like there's a conflict when you're running, you need to, you need to state, you need to state that right at the beginning of the, of your campaign. Okay. I, I, 
I just have two more quick questions on this, and then I want to move on to some policy stuff. Um, the, the first of which, uh, the, the mailer uh, talks about uh, uh, a previous issue that that had arisen back in 1997 with, with then-city councilman Dave Ransberg running for mayor and, and Zan Ransberg, who was on the, the county board. And I, I wanted to ask you, because it, it says in there she was chairwoman yeah, of the county board, which, yeah. She was the assistant uh, or vice uh, vice chair. So that was um, that was pointed out to us um, later after the fact. Hey, d does that change your your argument at all there on on them as a, a comparable concern? No, that does that does not. Okay, uh, and then I, I want to you know physically and metaphorically turn the the mailer over because there there are issues you raise on on the other the other side of it uh, attacking councilman Ruckregal for for his vote to raise taxes five of them shortly after being seated on the council uh, that that's when the council in, in 2015 passed a, a budget on a 7-4 vote and, and voted to increase some of those taxes by votes of, of nine to two and ten to one, uh, the the unifying factor there being Jim Montalongo, who was was a, a red no vote on on each of those taxes. Um, I, the proposals were intended to bring in an additional five point two million million with an M dollars a year for the city to do road repairs around the city, uh, and I, I guess you know. It, it certainly certainly seems like a, a fair contrast on I voted for or I voted against, he voted for. I guess I'd like to ask, because you, you've described our, our road condition right now as decrepit, which seems seems like uh, uh, Peoria gets, gets, gets a lot of flack for its roads, especially as we're coming up on springtime. You as a district councilman probably get more calls on road issues than, than almost anything else out there. I, I guess, you know, where else would you have found the the money to address roads so that they they would be at least as good as decrepit right now? Yeah, uh, that's a good point, Chris. So um, I would I would pivot back to in my first term on the city council, I voted against the Pierre Marquette. I had voiced my concern with those on the council that the potential loss if this does not go does not work as planned, which I did not believe it was going to, is now reaching almost $40 million for the city. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I was against. Um, I, I, I voted against that on the floor. Um, so it, it's hard when the mayor um, was trying to, to raise taxes over a complete blunder at that Pierre Marquette has created for us. And that's that's where it's at. Um, and and your, your question was... So basically, we, yeah, how, how would you... Yes, yeah, so we're going to be raising taxes, which, once again, we know what, what happens when you raise taxes. You raise property tax, you raise sales tax, you raise the gas tax, included the stormwater utility, um, all these taxes that were passed, what do they do? They chase people out of town and it chases businesses out of town. And what happens? We lose revenue. We don't have enough. So it creates further, it creates more problems for the city to do that. Absolutely. And and I guess 
what what I, I still want to know is, you know, I, I I presume Councilman Jim Montalago in 2015 would have liked to get an extra $5 million to repair roads, which is what these taxes did. You were against the taxes. Would you have found the money some other place? Is there a couch cushion we didn't look under in, in the city budget at the time to fund those roads? Or or should we not have not have spent not have raised those taxes, not have spent that money each year for the last, you know, up until last year when we didn't, uh, to, to cover those road repairs in, in 16, 17, 18, and 19. You know, I think our approach should have been different in dealing with the budget at hand. I mean, I think most people, I think, should know that it's probably very easy to raise taxes instead of dealing with the budget that you have at hand. And I think that's what the, that's what the problem is that's how I saw it anyways. Um, it was taking the easy way out. Um, and, and Councilman Rodriguez himself calls himself um, that he was courageous to do that. I thought it was exact opposite to raise taxes instead of dealing with the problem at hand. And this was, you know, led by the mayor and his group of, of his other five votes to, to make things happen that direction. Right, and, and I, I, I want to know what, what you would have done instead in those circumstances. Clear, clearly, you, you would not have raised taxes, but again, what would you have done to address the, the road repair issues? Where, where else would you have gotten that, that money? At, at the time, and, and I'm, I'm quoting from, from what you, you said on the floor that night, you said, we did not do enough internally to justify a tax increase. Sound, sounds to me like, like you were saying there were, were other spending reductions we should have looked at instead of, of bringing in money from citizens. So what, um, what would that have been? I mean, we, we had these discussions during um, just this last year, just where we had to deal with um, a budget shortfall because of the pandemic and which pushed, what pushed us to make some, some tough decisions. You know, one of them that I brought up, for example, was um, the amount of overtime, $5 million a year in overtime. And that's been pretty consistent that and just felt like those tough discussions needed to happen and they didn't happen. And that's what I was looking for from the mayor. The mayor is the, the guy calling the shots and and running the votes to to get done what he thinks is in the best interest of of the city. I just disagreed with the, the direction the mayor was going. Okay, I'm going to toss it back over to Mark for, for a couple of questions. Um, we can stay right here. Uh, you kind of alluded to it, but I just wanted to see if you wanted to expound on that. Uh, you kept saying we didn't deal with the problem at hand. The problem at hand, one of the things you mentioned is $5 million in overtime. But when it comes to the budgetary issues and just city council in general, how it handles its business, obviously it spends, what, about six, seven, eight thousand, eight million million, $8 million a month. What do you think the problem at hand is? What is the problem at hand when it comes to city government and budgets? Well, I think um, when we start to talk about your budgets, um, you have to have a very clear line about how much revenues you're, you're, you have coming in and you build your budget around that. Um, and that's where it all starts. And going forward, I mean, that's how we're going to have to look at things. We have to look at the amount of revenue coming in and we have to take a look at uh, where our expenses at. We're gonna have to be on a very tight budget until we turn this ship around. Um, and hopefully we start with more, um, we start with growth, 
policies. We need to help our small, medium-sized businesses, and this is the approach that I will take to help them grow and expand jobs. So we're bringing in employees and hopefully residents into Peoria, which will mean more growth in our population, and as well, it will mean more revenues for the city. That's the only direction that we have right now. Um, and I've been against all these taxes that have happened. We can no longer continue to tax our, our, our way out of these problems. We have to deal with our budget, um, and that's that's the direction that I would uh, be taking our, our city. Are there any bulk line items that may come off the top of your head where you're like, they, they'd be one of the first two things to go? You know, it's, it's first of all, my approach is going to be working with every city council member. I know what it's like to be on the outside and not, not a chance to um, sit down and, and have those discussions on what my thoughts are. I wanna meet with every single council person and have these open discussions with them and how we're going to balance the budget, um, especially during these next few years. So that's gonna happen. Uh, it's not gonna be just what I want, but it's gonna be what they want and what we can come to an agreement with as a council to be able to move us forward. And while we're still talking about money, one of the things I had down was obviously the uh, the hotel has always been a, a topic of discussion ever since it came up and it still remains to be. So would you have, you, you voted against the, the funding of the Pier Marquette. What would you have liked to see done with the Pier Marquette? Do you feel like what was put together just wasn't the right deal for the pier or do you feel like the pier just shouldn't have been a priority in general? You know what? Um, using taxpayers' money to get involved with this um, this private um, business, I think we we stepped way out of bounds to uh, to do that. Um, so, um, you know what happens to the Pier Marquette? I guess whoever the stock uh, owners are, they're the ones who need to decide what happens with it. And certainly we care about what happens there. Um, and, but once again, that's, that's a, a, a private business and they need to deal with their own, their own issues. Jim, I want to want to jump in there and, 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 you know, put a, a period or an exclamation point on, on this. Uh, is, is it just a large scale development like that? Or, or do you, do you feel the city should not be awarding any economic development money from the city to any business? You know, I, I think first and foremost, you know, where does, what, what does, what is the city council's role play in, in the development? You know, it goes right back to our basic city services. I mean, in order to lure businesses in here, we start looking at our basic infrastructure, our roads, our sidewalks, our lighting, our, our policing, um, and, you know, some of the things that I've learned from having these business roundtables with with developers, um, the things that they were looking for is they wanted a uh, a safe, a clean, aesthetic, aesthetically pleasing type of environment, um, which included, you know, the landscaping, the lighting, the, the sidewalks, um, the ability to um, make sure that everybody is keeping up to a a standard. Um, and they say that's what makes people want to come into this, that type of area. So first and foremost, those are our, um, 
our primary objectives first with helping businesses grow is taking care of the immediate infrastructure as a, as a city. I want to bring up, um, it's, it's basically headline news now, what's going on in Texas and with regard to um, city government responsibility, the mayor of Colorado City, Texas, resigned after a Facebook post in which he pontificated about how it's not the city government's responsibility to make sure citizens have working water and electricity, et cetera, and that members of their community need to stop, stop being lazy and expecting a handout for these services. Where do you draw the line between municipal responsibility and city citizen responsibility? Um, Any time when you have um, massive type, and we're talking about these these outages, I, I'm assuming, um, you know, and we, we had, uh, for example, I know like in uh, a few years ago, we had a bad ice storm, which caused a lot of power outage in, in our in our community. Um, and, you know, part of it was, um, I thought a great part of it was the, um, because trees were not being trimmed back, these limbs fell on top of the power lines and did this damage, which caused massive, massive outage, which then you start worrying about your people. You got to take care. You don't want anybody to get hurt or die because of a, a storm like that. You got to take care of them. I'm just, it seemed like a very, um, I guess, heartless type comment for a, a public official to make. You got to take care of, of the people to make sure that they are safe and they are, you know, safe from, um, well, just plain old safe that they're in a safe environment. And so with what you're describing as the budgetary issue, I mean, obviously the budget needs fixing. Any, any, anybody that's spending more than they're bringing in needs to fix something. But what you seem to describe is more of a, a, a skeletal type structure where we figure out as a city what we have and then what we have to spend, which is easy to do. But Sometimes it's the citizens that get cut from the budget. How do you feel? How do you feel like you can manage both of those with getting the city budget back on track, but also not leaving certain citizens of the Peoria area behind? Um, I'm, I'm not too sure what examples that you're you're having there with uh, making sure people are. Um, it, it sounds like we're taking care of people right now, and and that we'd be cutting them out. Um, I mean, simple things like people th- uh, people bring up as far as um, the arts. It's a big one that's been brought up with different mayoral um, interviews with the arts and just city city functions. A lot of people want to figure out what we can do for IHSA that might take a, may or may not take a city investment the same way Pierre Marquette did to a different degree. But how can we balance that and still have growth and still maintain the citizen uh, responsibility with service that we have already? You know, one of the things that I would like to see, and this is something that I have brought up to the city manager many times, is we need to see things back in a um, some kind of business pro forma. If we're going to put X amount of dollars in something, um, we need to know what the outcomes are from those. And that that part, um, as a business, that's how we need to be operating. Um, other than um, and, and there's certainly a lot of good programs that the city does have right now. Um, but I just I'm wanting the city manager to communicate in a business format back to the city council um, and being able to show what those values are back to the council so that we can tell our constituents this is 
this is something that we've done. For example, if we're going to have a um, resident police officer, we need to know like ahead of time, what are those, what is that data right now that says this is why we have a, re we need a resident officer right there. They might have a, a number of different things crime-wise, and this is why we want to have um, a resident officer there. It's going to cost us X amount of dollars to do it, but the net result is going to be we have just changed all these outcomes, which is going to um, create a safer environment. Um, it's going to have uh, more infill of, of residents moving into this area. It's going to be less police calls into this area. And we also need, so that's the part that I'm trying to get to. So we, we need to be able to say we're putting in $20,000, but it's saving us $150,000 if we do this. And we need to have more of that type of business discussion um, when we do, when we get involved with, with projects. A couple more questions before I shoot it back to Chris. Uh, you mentioned business. It was aligned by a lot of politicians in the last decade or two with respect to the budget. And they said, we need to run it like a business. And oftentimes it comes from business owners. You're a business owner. Do you feel like the approach for city government and budgetary issues should be addressed like a business? Do we run Peoria like a business? Uh, I think in a lot of cases, um, the business, uh, the city should run like a business, yes. Um, but there's some other factors that, that get involved, which deals with public safety. And you need to make sure that you are fulfilling your um, responsibilities in, in providing that um, that safety part of it. So um, I'm not sure if that's the, quite the question that uh, I'm answering the question that you're looking for. Yeah, you know, yeah, you did. You did. Um, and, and last thing before I shoot over to Chris, you brought up the city manager. We interviewed the city manager early last month and he said uh, he'd like to stay on with the next mayor. If you are elected mayor, uh, Pat Yurick, do you keep him or no? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I like Patrick. He's he's very knowledgeable um, and, and I think one of the, the best city managers that I've seen the, um, over this period of time. Um, and definitely he's been through some very challenging times and I, I do hold a, um, a high expectation for him. Um, but overall, um, I like Patrick. Okay. So if you're elected mayor, do you keep him or no? You know, it's more than just one person's decision. It's a, it's a whole entire council. I'm, I'm uh, talking about Lago. Just, just your opinion as far as how you want to run the city. There's things that you said you wish the city manager would do as far as showing uh, the results of certain investments made and communicating that clearly to the council. And there's some changes that I predict you would want to implement, which is why you're running for mayor. As far as city manager, what is your take on? Main, well, I think, uh, I think oh. the city manager will respond to a, a different leader um, uh, di differently. I'm like, he's, he's, you know, works very closely with the, the mayor now. And I would imagine that would be the same um, approach to work very closely with him. And um, I, I want to do things differently and, and hopefully um, he agrees with them and we, we get off on, on the right foot together. So, yes. So I would say yes. Okay. Yeah. All right, Chris. Okay. Uh, Jim, I want to want to pivot over a, a little bit to some of the, the policy related issues. You're, you're especially focused on, on the core essential services of a city and making sure we can provide those before some of those other 
maybe want to do sort of things, uh, you know, and, and, you know, if I'm misstating any of this, correct me, but it sounds like in, in particular, you want to want to make sure we, we properly fund and support police, fire, handle our roads, things like that, correct? Yes. Uh, and, you know, where where does does the money come from in, in the short term and the long term to build that up? I, it sounds as though in, in the long term, you want to see economic growth from, from more jobs, from ex- existing companies here being able to grow and, and improve the tax base in, in the short term. In, in you know, the first two, three years of a, a Montalago administration, how much can we realistically expect to be able to build up uh, those agencies after some of the cuts that we've had in the last few years? Um, could, could you state the question one more time to make sure I get that right? Yeah, I have, basically, I, I'd like to know what what your plan is, uh, and and if you think it's feasible to begin to rebuild police and fire staffing and and you know spend an, an appropriate amount of money there within the next couple of years uh, before economic conditions improve. Right. Um, and, and still, you know, we got a budget for the rest of this year um, that we have to work with. Um, but going forward, once again, we're, we're getting into like a, it's more of a process that we need to to discuss with the council. We need to know what the challenges are. It gets back to again. What does our forecast look like for our revenues coming in? And this is what our expenses should be, not to exceed them. Um, and that's, that's where we start first. And we need to work with very closely with all our, our department directors um, and our city council. They're the ones that are gonna help set, set the budget. I would like to make sure that we continue these meetings with the community. Um, I think we, ha- we had a couple last year. Uh, I'd like to see more community involvement in, in our budget. But I think that's where it all starts, starts from. And that's how we, start to build um, our budget in, in having those discussions. It's gotta be done as a as a whole. We're definitely gonna be in some challenging times. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, and I think um, getting the right expertise around to help us deal with our financial crisis that we have, um, we'll, we'll figure it out. Okay, how, how do you do that incidentally, uh, as far as getting more citizen engagement in the budget? Because you, you've been to some of those same meetings I have where you know, you, you get, get some of the, the real hardcore people who, who really care about or, or geek out on, on local government issues, you know, the ones who show up and, and vote at the, the dead of cold in winter in February for, for city races, but you know, a lot of those meetings, there's more city staff than people who show up to them. How, how do we make a pitch to get more people involved and, and get them to show up and and have their voice heard there? Um, you know, sometimes you got to you got to take it to them. You know, I, I talk about the monthly meetings that I um, that I have. And I want to continue those um, throughout the entire city, having these meetings. And um, that was one of the things I, I did was have. Um, somebody from our um, city administration come in and talk about the budget with them and get get feedback with them. I think the more meetings that we have both, you know, a formal budget meeting is going to happen this time and we have everything set up and people can come in from all over the place. But sometimes it's these small meetings that happen um, 
And I want to continue those to get people's feedback. You get them, uh, uh, you get them engaged. And I think it would really help them once they know that you're going to be someplace at a certain time um, continuously. They know where to find you. You'll you'll get the feedback from them. So we'll have to do a lot of outreach that way. But I really want to continue with these meetings um, and and being out there in the, in the neighborhoods. Okay. Um, you also mentioned, as far as uh, the city budget, one of the things that, that really troubles you the most there is the $5 million in in overtime that, that gets spent in a, a given year, and that that's been pretty consistent over several years. You know, I, a lot of that does come from the police department and the fire department on, on their budgets, and the answer that, that we've routinely heard from, from the city when that gets brought up is that it, it's actually cheaper to pay overtime than it is to hire new full-time staffers to relieve some of that burden or at least spread it out a little better to reduce the amount of overtime. One, do you buy that explanation? And two, whether whether you do or, or do not, what what sorts of things there do you think can can be cut from the overtime that, that police and fire in particular spend? Right. You know, and I've had some informal discussions as well with uh, some of the people who are the boots on the ground and getting their feedback on that, too. And um, I, I think there is some room for, for movement there. I want to make sure that we do the business case. I want to see it in writing. And this is something that I'm going to uh, task the city manager with. You need to provide back this information. Show me in writing in this um in this business pro forma, if that's what you want to call it, on show us how this works. Why is this overtime important? And I, I don't, once again, we, we hear words back, but we don't see necessarily the numbers so people can, uh, when I say people, the other council people can see exactly what these numbers mean. We, we kind of take their word for granted, um, and, and the business case hasn't been proven to me as far as I'm concerned. Okay, yeah, it's... It's certainly a heck, a heck of a spreadsheet uh, looking through on the the reasoning for uh, for some of the overtime in there uh, and and some of the the various categories for it. Um, one of the things that that you also mentioned, and I, I'm going to ask this and then toss it back to to Mark. Uh, you mentioned in your questionnaire that that you want to have a, kind of a, a, a focused economic development team, you called it, even having specific people on there devoted to issues like, like or industries like healthcare, yeah, obviously the, the dominant industry, biggest employer in the area. Uh, talk about how that's worked elsewhere. Uh, you use Rochester, New York as an example, where you said it's been done successfully. So, so talk to me a little bit about how that's done how much it costs and how, how long it takes to see results from a, a team like that. Sure. Um, so, you know, my gut feel was that we could do a, um, we could do a great job with working with our businesses a little bit more closely, kind of like I did with this business round table in my district. Um, I just got that feeling if we start working on common goals together, we could accomplish a lot more as a, uh, as a city, as a district or community, um, so that got me into thinking more about um, working with our small, medium-sized business. My research showed me there's a term called economic gardening. Um, and as I started digging through it, I looked at, yes, Rochester, New York, um, the Denver, Denver area, 
using this, this very same methodology to focus on growth for your small and medium-sized businesses where you um, have this economic team. Um, and it could be made up of, yes, individuals from the city and or our um, chamber of commerce or um, that, that economic development team over there um, working with our businesses, help them grow new customers into new markets, um, some cost savings type ideas. When they do that, that's they're growing employees. And we, you know, we have thousands of business, so you multiply that across all these businesses. And if they're growing employees, it's growing our population, it's growing the revenues. The question is, when you take a look at it, it you know, the question is, how do you how do you pay for something like that? I think they've worked very closely with those businesses, um, and and there are some costs with the business to 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 work with uh, this particular group. Uh, I'm starting to see the comments get in there. Uh, keep coming with your comments. Keep coming with your questions. We are going to get to them. I promise earlier than usual because sometimes we go over. Um, <clears throat> well, we we touched on the hotel. Uh, it's here. We got it. It is what it is. So now we got to fill it up. Uh, tourism. Uh, there's a lot of things that we're lacking in Peoria. There's a lot of things that we lost. Gus Macker, uh, IHSA, different reasons for people to come to Peoria. We don't know what's going to happen post-COVID when it comes to the Civic Center in general, even though we gave them that money. Who knows what's going to happen? What do you want to do or what would you like to see in Peoria with regards to tourism? And how do you plan on facilitating that to make Peoria uh, a go-to spot for whether it be leisure or business? Yeah, absolutely. And once again, you know, uh, working with um, my business roundtable group, the Northwoods Mall, the Westlake Shopping Center, the Glen Hollow, that particular area over there is a, you know, one of our best retail sources for um, for the city and a revenue generator for us. We've had a lot of discussion in not just that area, you know, as, as I would be mayor, I'd be looking at the other pockets that we have in other um, shopping areas, retail. Um, I think it's important. We can be a regional um, draw for retail, restaurants, entertainment. Um, and I don't think we've quite positioned ourselves um, with, let's say, 90 miles to 100 miles um, around Peoria to, to bring people into this community. Um, and I think we are we are one of those locations that that can be that. Um, and we noticed um, from my discussions with the um, this business roundtable, entertainment is seems to be one of the missing elements from from these types of um, shopping areas. So um, not just not just Fourth District, but um, could be shops at Grand Prairie over at um, Metro. Um, those are just. And I think we got some incredible shopping um, locations in Junction City. I mean, they've done a great job in some of these other little pocket um, developments that are that are popping up. And and, and certainly our downtown, the warehouse district. Um, these are all great things that are that are, I think, a, a, an attraction. We need to be able to sell this and we need to work with our Convention and Visitors Bureau to help market and sell what Peoria has to offer. And that's when we start seeing other events start to, to happen in Peoria. And, and that's why I was asking, how do we do that? But are you saying it's a matter of figuring out how to sell Peoria? Yeah, I think um, I, I think there's been some headway um, made over the years with that. But I think we in order to attract people, we got to get that message out. 
Um, so there, there needs to be more. And I think the, the Convention and Visitors Bureau plays a, a big part of that in helping us advertise. Not only are we advertising the, the retail and um, all the things that we have to do here with our retail, our restaurants and our entertainment, um, and, but I think um, also we also should be selling uh, the great companies that we have here. So it makes it easier for them to recruit people into Peoria um, and, and we need to sell it as, as a whole. We have a lot of great, I, I think we have, um, when, you, when you take a look at Peoria as a whole, we have a lot of great different types of neighborhoods. Um, and I think that's one of our biggest draws that um, why people come to Peoria, uh, the many different price points um, and, and overall it's Peoria, as far as pricing to, to purchase a home, I think we have some of the best prices around you. When somebody comes from Chicago and they take a look at a three or four bedroom house and they're like, wow, that would be a million plus in Chicago. We can get that, get that here. They're practically already sold on, on the area. I think one of the other great things is it, it only takes like 15 minutes to get anywhere in Peoria. That's another major sell, selling point for Peoria. So you can visit um, multiple locations when you're here, or if you're a, uh, somebody who's living here, that connection 15 minutes anywhere in Peoria um, plays a lot to uh, the quality of life um, as, as a resident here in Peoria. Caterpillar uh, headquarters obviously left, but there's still thousands of jobs that remain, but people still are apprehensive when it comes to the trajectory or, or, or just nervous, I think, when it comes to trajectory of Pure, when it comes to jobs and businesses. Is there a certain company or a certain industry that you'd like to see here in Pure that we can expand upon or something that's already here that you would like to put more emphasis on from a, um, from a business perspective here? Yeah, well, certainly our, our medical industry is one um, that um, Peoria being a regional player for uh, medical services and um, besides the, the hospitals here, um, that whole uh, business structure that um, that works all together to to serve them is is important. So um, we need to see and have continue to have those discussions with the medical players in town here um, in understanding what their needs are. Um, I think that part would be very important for us um, as a city to make sure that we're getting the most, uh, helping them get the most out of. Um, their business here, making sure that we're we're helping them grow customers or helping them if they have a problem in um, companies that they need to serve them, that we, we, we help connect, connect them wherever we can. If the election was run by uh, fundraising numbers, with the general election approaching, you'd, you, you'd have lost. You got Sid with 193,000 from recent numbers, Reed Ali with 57,000, you come in third with 48,000. Um, so obviously if, 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 if you're talking dollars, then you'd be third, but obviously with votes uh, that, can, that can change anything. Is there a certain message that you want to resonate for uh, voters about Jim Montalongo? And does that uh, third placement with fundraising dollars uh, make you nervous at all? You know, um, just to, to talk about, first of all, the most important thing for me is the track record that I have um, 
which none of the other candidates have. I have the track record, one, of serving as a two, uh, two-term district council member, and as, as well as a um, one-time um, at-large. Um, but the track record that I have on delivering um, the basic city services to my district, which is the job of the city council person, um, also all the other uh, all the additional things that I got done for my district from once again these 10 years of monthly meetings, the business roundtable, um, creating neighborhood associations, neighborhood watch groups, um, getting the project completed with Northmore Road, um, the substation at Northwoods Mall. Um, I voted against these tax increases um, that have been so damaging to um, our city. Um, Portillo's the ring doorbell. I mean, these are all things that I think I have spearheaded and have moved forward uh, for my constituents and I guess the benefit of the entire city. It's about the track record. And my track record is, is much bigger and better than, than any of my competition. So when it comes down to the, the fact, when I think when people start researching um, and they take a look at our websites or take a look at our voting records, um, I think they'll be very proud to know that somebody like me is running to be mayor of Peoria with the extensive background that I have serving as um, a, a council member, but as well with 30 years of business experience and the education of a master's in business administration, all of that together, I think I'm the logical choice to, to um, with the right message that, that takes Peoria forward. If you are elected mayor, then you'll still have to build and foster relationships, not only with the new folks, but the folks that are already there, namely Rita and Sid. How do you feel your relationship is with the other people running and uh, the people that are not only running for mayor and Rita and Sid, but the other folks that are trying to come in for city council, given that you'll be at the at the top of the table? How do you feel like your relationships are with those in order to get the, uh, your, your vision executed? Yeah, you know, um, we're all professionals. We all know that uh, the campaigning and sometimes um, may, may get a little awkward at times, but um, when campaigning's over, you know, if you're serving, you, you know, you're expected to um, put that behind you and start looking forward. So uh, I, would, I would assume that the relationships will go on just like they, they have been. I think I have a good working relationship with uh, most people on the council and um, that's, that, that's how I would be going forward anyways between now and if I don't get back on, if I don't win mayor, then I, I'll still have that, I think, professional relationship with them um, to move forward. And I would expect the same from, from them as well. And before we head over to um, audience, well, Chris, did you have any more questions? Yeah, I, I wanted to, to touch real quickly on on two things. Uh, first of which I want to go back to uh, to a question earlier and, and get a little more clarity on it. Um, beyond the the five million dollars that that we talked about in in overtime as, as an area to to look at, at controlling costs, um, you you talk a lot about cost control, wanting to review the budget line by line. What what other areas I'm wondering? Do do you see citywide that that we're spending money now that we can control? You know the the peer notwithstanding, because we really can't do anything about it now. What other areas that we can control 
what we're spending? Do you think that we're, we're spending too much on something with the city? Um, you know, Chris, I think what would be important uh, with a, a new mayor and new district council people coming in, or perhaps new ones coming in, I think it'd be important to review um, with our council, uh, go line item by line item, and let's let's discuss each one of those. And and we haven't done that probably in um, a couple years. Hmm. Um, I think it'd be up up for that discussion again. I, I know we got the pandemic going on, but um, I think it's it's fair game to say uh, new council, new mayor. It's time to review this every line item in our budget and and figure out what we think should be in there and, and shouldn't. So, um, and once again, it's, it's, it's a vote to see what happens there. I'm sure we'll find some stuff that we think uh, we can do with and do without. I, I haven't had a Saturday afternoon in the Gateway Building with all of you guys in a while looking through that. Uh, but but you, you, you've been on for, for 12 out of the last 14 years, so, so surely there have got to be some other things that, that jump out at you as being areas that, that you would target in there. What, what else beyond overtime leaps out at you from, from your look at, at the line by line? Um, you know, that's, you know, that was the one that I brought up uh, during our session last year was, was the overtime. And uh, I want to just uh, peel that back and, and look, um, look into those details of, of that um, and, and prove it out. Um, but really that's, that was my, that was probably the big one. I thought, that could bring $5 million more to, um, to helping our city okay. every year, every year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the other, the other one beyond that, um, both the, the public safety pension fee, which is due to expire next year. And, and we got to figure out how to cover those increasing costs as well as the ongoing costs that we have for the, the CSO repair, you know, Right now, those are both call it a fee. It's a tax uh, for for you know the sewers and for uh, uh, public safety pensions. What do you replace those with uh, in in order to pay those bills? They're they're becoming so gigantic. They're they're threatening to blot out the rest of the budget. Where would you look to to fund that money if it's not those two fees? Right, but we got to pay somehow. And, and it's it's very significant. It's very some uh, it's something that we have to look at very hard. Uh, I want to get some financial experts to work with me and the council um, to take a look at our options for uh, perhaps reamortizing the the pension uh, liability that we have. And you know, I think we also need to be um, working with all the different cities. That, I mean, we're not the only city that has a pension problem. Um, many different cities throughout Illinois. I think we need to be working with our, our state legislators to um, helping us come up with some solutions for this as well. So those are really the two things that we can, I think that we can do to uh, try and manage our budget. Hey, what what should we be doing that, that we haven't with our state legislators though? The, the Illinois Municipal League, individual cities, all got together and, and pushed through two years ago the, the package that helped combine all the downstate systems. I mean, you you know from being involved in, in politics and government for a while, the legislature doesn't tend to go back and, and take a second bite at the apple that close to, to a, a major reform that they've made. 
what what's what's our sales pitch that that gets lawmakers to do something they don't usually do yeah. that we haven't tried already? Right. I think we need to probably take a look at that. What what were the effects of those those changes that they made? Um, I'm hearing uh, perhaps something different uh, of it being something that's been very helpful. I think we need to take a look at that and have that discussion with them and say this is this is what we got from this. And I mean. I think especially right now that we have a pandemic that's going on that has um, hit our revenues very significantly. Um, they know they have to be engaged with us to help us solve some of these major problems that we have right now. So um, I think we'll, um, I think they'll be more, um, more engaged with this process to, uh, to help us come up with a, a solution that our city can deal with because um, it's something that's going to um, it's something that could help us or very much hurt us for a very long time. Mm -hmm. and, and hopefully they don't they don't resolve their own budget difficulties by cutting the, the local government distributive fund and hurt us even more on, on sales tax revenue. Yeah, that, that is very true. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to toss it over to Mark. We're going to go to some audience questions on Facebook. So... We will just a second. I gotta find it. I gotta find them. Gotta find them. Okay, there we go. Uh, we'll shoot to some audience questions. I had a couple more questions on the back end, and then we'll shoot into the lightning round. Um, and of course, if you've been watching, then you know the audience questions are brought to you by Rhonda Guide and Travel.com. Only they give you domestic and international travel with a personal touch. Leave all planning to RGT. That's Rhonda Guide and Travel.com. And the first question comes from we can go in order. The first question comes from Jim. He says, is there a potential conflict of interest with, oh, you know, you already read, you already, we already addressed that. So my, my, my apologies. Uh, the other one come from Jim though. And he says, is a car wash really the best use for the corner of Glennon University? Why can't the city be more discerning on things of this nature? A more upscale development would be perfect for that corner. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. An upscale development would be great for that corner. Um, however, there is a, um, a, I'm guessing it's a, a company or maybe a person that, that owns that property uh, with their, their rights to be able to sell it to um, whomever they would like to. Uh, where the city gets involved with is if there's going to have to be a change in the zoning, um, and if there's any special need for something like that, that's when the city council gets involved. Um, but certainly I think most of the community would like to see a development happen there other than a, than a car wash. But um, they also have the business rights to be able to, um, to move forward with it. But it comes back to the city council under a special use. So that's, that's why our opinions are getting involved with this here. Um, I've not had a lot of favorable feedback from my constituents. This particular project is in the um, third district. Yeah, in third district uh, with Councilman Tim Riggenbach, um, who has deferred this item here for, for more discussion. So we'll see what ends up happening with this, with this development. The next question comes from Carrie, and she says, did the city actually raise $5 million to fix the roads or were the projections overly rosy and not less than f the $5 million? 
I'm not sure what exactly she's talking about. On the on the the taxes that were were increased at the end of 2015. Um, I guess I don't I don't know how to answer that question with um, the the actual outcomes from from that. Uh, Carrie, if you want to kind of rephrase that question, because I was trying to decipher it myself and I don't want to um, I don't want to throw your question off. So if you want to just throw that back in there, um, we can definitely um, we can definitely take that on. And this question comes from Karen. She says, what will you do to bring the two decommissioned fire trucks back online? What show will I go see after my house burns down? So what will you do to bring the two decommissioned trucks back online? So, um, so we have to live within our budget. Our fire chief made a recommendation. Um, and so to fit inside our budget, that's what uh, we've, the city council voted on that. And uh, the majority voted to, to close uh, two firehouses uh, at that time, one of them coming back. Um, so what do we need to do? We need to start growing business as soon as possible so that we have more people coming into our community so that we can pay for uh, additional city services. And this last question I see anyway comes from uh, Matt, and he says, where would you recommend cuts when there is a budget shortfall? Um, you know, and we had some of the discussion earlier, if there's like overtime, for example, um, that's that, that was our approach. So um, but, you know, I think more importantly, the efforts that we're going to take is for growth and to grow revenues for our city. That's the only direction that we we have to go. I know we're at probably a all time low as far as city employees um, working for the city um, and these taxes that I did not vote for um, that are in place to, today, um, we have to focus on growth and growing our city, uh, helping our small, medium-sized businesses grow employees and grow revenues for our city. Okay, and uh, I got a couple more questions for you and then we'll circle into the lightning round. But um, where they go? Oh, yeah. So um, you've been on the council uh, for the last several years. And in the last several years, we've had several news articles, YouTube pages made up. Uh, obviously, you're familiar with the 24-7 article, Worst uh, City for Blacks, one of the worst city for Blacks in America. There's also a YouTube video out that showed Pure as one of the 10 places that you should never move to. What can we do? I understand you are business minded and you're approaching the mayorship with the budget in mind and things like that, but from just perspective from outsiders, and when I say outsiders, people from outside of uh, Peoria in general, what can you do or what would you want to do to kind of give the image of Peoria a facelift overall? Sure. So um, I think certainly if and when elected to being mayor, I think it kind of changes um, history, right? Right there. I mean, I, I know when I was first elected to the council, I was the first uh, Hispanic elected to the city council. So I would be the first Hispanic 
uh, elected to uh, being mayor of Peoria. Um, as far as me being on the council, uh, in my first term as an at-large member, um, I put together a program um, to teach small um, minority businesses, women-owned businesses, how to do business with the city. And I think over this uh, 10-year period of time has resulted in millions of dollars of contracts. I think we need to retell our story as well. And I think we have a lot of opportunity as well to have our city staff look more like what our, our community um, looks like as well. So do you feel like there's a lack of minorities in city council or city hall in general? Yeah, I think the numbers prove that as well. We've, we've had open discussion like that with, with the public on, uh, for example, the, the fire department, police department, um, and, and public works. We, we've had those discussions. And so, yeah, there's there's opportunity for um, um, to changing how things look like in, in our in our city hall. Are, are we going about that in the right way, or is there something different that we need to be doing since the numbers have actually gotten worse in the last couple of years rather than, than standing pat or getting better? Yeah, and I know some of that goes along with, um, in part with uh, union-type employees and whose uh, seniority has something to, to work with that, too. So um, I think that's that's some of the challenge. Um, but it's something that when we put together our city manager goals, that was something that I, I asked for specifically is to, to, to charge him with and make it part of his goals that we, we um, do his evaluation on, on minority hiring as well. So he sees that as something that's important, not only with hiring, hiring people, but also with contracts, um, the city's contracts. And is, is that the trick for the whole community to be looked at at a more positive light? Because I, I made a joke on Facebook uh, yesterday that people are leaving Peoria, Illinois to go to Peoria, Texas. And and that was just in reference to so many people. I think every other week I see somebody that's legit moving to Dallas, if not the greater Texas area, but just Dallas in general. How can we re retain citizens here in Peoria outside of just teaching people business and how to do business with the city? Because everybody wants to do that. You know, I think one of the other things, and I, I mentioned it earlier, um, and, and to me, being there in the community, like these monthly meetings that I've had, and going out there into um, parts of the city where people feel like their voices aren't being heard, to bring our um, staff into having these coffee-type meetings in lots of different neighborhoods, so we can develop relationships with them, so people can be heard, so that we can react to some of what their needs are. I think that's another important part. And also being the mayor, um, you get a chance to connect people. You're, you're a connector. You're, you're hearing sometimes what the needs are from maybe the business community and just got left a meeting knowing that uh, somebody's brother moved into town and is looking for a job, for example. And you're like, hey, I just was in a meeting earlier and you have a chance to connect those types of relationships as well. Um, and I'd also like to be able to, to challenge and, and uh, as we have our businesses growing and expanding that, we make sure that we, we send that message out to um, them as well to uh, take a look at their minority participation, um, minority hiring in, in their companies as well. Um, I think those are some of the things that, that we can do better. 
I appreciate you uh, coming out to Pure High School to do that, um, to do the debate that we set up, the in-person debate. I think it was the only debate that that has been done in person, but you would know better than I do because I don't I don't participate in the debates myself. But while you were there, uh, one of the guys that helped put that together, Pat Fajay, he uh, the, the debate was over and he Kobe'd a water bottle into the garbage can. And I couldn't help but think, oh, man, we need a recycling bin here. Uh, the apartment complex that I live in, uh, no recycling. I know recycling is is an afterthought for most people. Is there anything that you would want to do or is it even important to you with regards to like a city effort, a citywide effort to be um, heavy on recycling and just kind of get into the 21st century with regards to green and green energy and and things like that? Um, I think we got a pretty good uh, program right now with um, with PDC. And so there's not probably, I guess there's always more that you can do, but I think from our side and um, there are, um, we have a lot of participation in that. I think that's something that's been, um, that's been good for our city, but there's always something more that you can do. And last question before we get into the lightning round, you've been endorsed by Chuck Weaver. What does that mean for your campaign? You know what? Um, Chuck and his family have been here a, a really long time in the Peoria community. Um, I, I served with Chuck Weaver um, on, on the city council and got to know him very well. And I was very just honored to have his support. Um, he's very much a business thinker. And uh, to so to get his support, I was, uh, was very, I'm just honored to, to get that. So it was, a, it was a big and important thing for me. Okay. Chris, do you have anything before we get into the lightning round? No, I think we're all good. Let, let's have a little bit of fun here to close us. So this is the part that stressed me out the most was this lightning round. I'm like, what's the lightning round? <laughs> no, it, it's meticulously crafted. Okay. Now, but lightning round, when I think about lightning round, you know, I can't help but think dating back to the debate. So you really ain't gonna let me pop no fireworks, man? Are you really not gonna let me pop fireworks? Oh, that that was your question. I no, no fireworks. You know what? When I saw the people with commercial grade type fireworks lighting them off next to the gas station, I'm like, yeah, we we can't have this, especially when I'm pumping the gas. I'm like, no, yeah, we, I I give you that. Like maybe we need to come up with a test or something. You get some certification or something. Just just for the just for the back of the house. It, okay. It's it's only because. Um, you know what? You can get people can get their hands on these fireworks that are commercial grade. I'm like they fire up, I don't know, probably a couple hundred feet up in the sky now, and boom! And you know, there's fallout too from ashes coming down or flames coming down, landing on people. It's 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 gone a little bit too much. If it was like very small driveway type, some that you know, I don't have a problem with, maybe something like that. But people always take it to the max where. You got the guy lighting it off next to the gas station. I'm like, so it's hard to try and make a a rule. And then you're like, well, what about this guy over here that's doing it? And so I want to go on the I'm going to go and err on the side of safety. I mean, gas station. Look, if I saw somebody doing a gas station, I'd probably be nervous about that, too. Uh, maybe we can find a little partial or something. We got a lot of vacant lots. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Um, this lightning round is sponsored by McCall Law Offices, PC, and Halliday McCall, located at 1225 North North Street, where they focus on personal injury, accidents, family law, and criminal defense. 
Call for a consultation for free at 309-377-HELP to put their attorneys in your corner. Okay, so you got a minute, 30 seconds. Uh, most people don't make it through, but we're going to see what we can do. And it's either or or just rapid fire answer. You ready? Let's do it. All right, let, let me get my buzzer on. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Boom. Okay. One's his birthday today. Michael Jordan or LeBron? Michael Jordan. Uh, Mac or PC? You're a computer guy. PC. Uh, apples, oranges? Apples. What app takes up the most time of your day? Ooh. Uh, probably Facebook. Dream car? Uh, Ferrari. If you were an animal, what would you be? A lion. Favorite sport? Central. Golf. Golf. What food do you love that everybody else hates? Ooh. Um, gosh, you got me this uh, broccoli. Favorite location in Peoria? Favorite location? Home. <laughs> Favorite business mogul? Say that again. Favorite business mogul? Uh, Michael Porter. <laughs> favorite favorite drink? Uh, Coke. Batman or Superman? Uh, Batman. Favorite local restaurant? Uh, Sushigawa. Omal or Numal? Say that again. Omal or Numal? Omal. Favorite movie? Uh, Patton. Harold or Rumburgers? Rumburgers. And who do you endorse for city council? Jim Montalongo. <laughs> what? Come on. <laughs> well, that's fair. It's one of 11 seats. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and that concludes the lightning round. I missed out one question, but, uh, we, we, you know, we'll throw it in there. It's Black History Month. Favorite Black History icon? Um, MLK. Sounds good. Sounds good. Chris, you got anything else for Jim? Do you have anything else that you would want the voters to know or in, any message that you want to leave with the people watching? Yeah, I think what's most important, you know, we have a very important vote coming up for mayor. It's going to be pivotal for our city. Um, it's going to be a tough decision for you, but I think what Peoria is in need of right now, we're in need of a professional business leader with city council experience um, who can deal with our, our budget we can deliver on the basic city services um, and work with our community and grow jobs. And that person is me. I have uh, almost two times the amount of experience than all of my opponents combined. And I just want to take my 30 years of business experience, my 12 years serving on the Peoria City Council, my master's in business administration, take all this, and work every day as hard as I can to help turn our city back around and make it the great city that it is. All right. Jim Montalongo, thank you very much for being here. Everybody remember, though you probably know if you're watching us already, uh, we have less than six days now until the, the polls are closed in the election. You can still vote early through Monday, and then election day is next Tuesday. We'll, we'll know by... Uh, a little longer, than, a little later than now, next Tuesday night, who the two are who are advancing into the general election. So make sure your vote gets counted. I tell everybody, man, we, 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 need, to, we need to switch up the terminologies to get people out to vote. Instead of primaries, we're going to call them playoffs. Instead <laughs> of 
general election from championship. Let, let, there let's you go. Man, let's you know what? It changed my mindset on it too. I, I'm with you on that. I think it'll change. I think we can make an impact and single-handedly bring out more voters and increase voter participation. That's what I believe. So I, I, I'll talk to uh, I'll talk to them over at Brandywine and see if we can get something done. Uh, hey, this, as long as it's not not a, a 64 bracket that we got to start with. Oh man, it's too much. <laughs> You got to pass the signatures. You pass the signatures, you're good to go. You're good to go. <laughs> this has been brought to you by State Farm Agent Aaron Kilgore, located at 3805 North Sterling Avenue, where he specializes in car, home, and life insurance and investments. He's the best in the business, and you can make him work for you today by calling 309-685-7111. Jim, we appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, you so much for having me here. Sure thing. Have a good night. Good luck. Thank you so much.